Hello and welcome to the Cash Goals Podcast. We're back. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the next episode of Cash Goals Podcasts. Back in the garage and studio today. I'm joined yeah. with. <laughs> How you doing, Chris? I'm marvelous, thanks. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. It has. Well, you've been too busy gallivanting around our fair shores, so uh, plenty of holiday had, and not much time to do some podcast recording. Yeah, sorry about that, but Jurassic Coast is is drawing me in. I can't keep nice. it. Nice. You had a nice time? Yeah, lovely. What have you been up Good. to? Well, one of us has been working, mate, so just trying to get everything done and, and <laughs> obviously <laughs> not to have a dig, but we're moving you know, moving back into the office and stuff. So, yeah, just, just trying to get back on track, really. So that's been going pretty well. It's been going right, pretty well. We owe the listeners some content. So we do. What are we well, covering this been, week? Well, you've been busy, haven't you? Because you... Uh, I don't want to say a celebrity because I don't want your, your head to explode too much, but we're on the radio last week, weren't you? Yeah, celebrity's fine. I'll go with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we we got the call from BBC Radio Essex to have a chat about, well, it's quite a hot topic at the moment, uh, is, is debt and the impact that the, well, we're not to timestamp this, but we're in the middle of the uh, coronavirus pandemic uh, and it's having a big knock-on effect for a lot of people. So we were having a chat about debt and the problems that it can cause and how to get out of it. So we thought it's a pretty good opportunity to have a chat about that this week, didn't we? Yeah, it makes sense. I think, as you said, it is a hot topic and probably um, segues quite well from the previous topics we've talked about with interest rates and, and banks and the like. So, yeah, that makes sense. Where do you want to start? What is debt? Seems like a good, as good a place as any. And before we get into it, one of the reasons that we wanted to talk about debts this week and why it's so topical is because of the widespread problem that it uh, it is for a lot of households. Here's a, a scary fact. I was reading an ONS study from 2018 which suggested the average household in the UK has £4,500 of credit card debt alone. It's ignoring ignore mortgages, ignoring all of the things. Add to the fact that 25% of adults in the UK have got less than £1,000 in their savings, and it's clear lots of people are using debt to fund their lifestyles. Hence why we want to talk about how and when to use debt to your advantage and you know when to start really getting serious about stopping it becoming a problem. Yeah, I mean, that's some... Quite, like you said, it is quite scary figures when you think of it. What you're effectively saying is that everybody... Now, OK, there are other assets that people own, but everybody in this situation is, is has got more has more debt on average than they've got in savings, so they're constantly battling and behind from a... Big time. I read that the, the, the bottom 10% of earners in the country have got three times more debt than they've got in assets on average which is terrifying oh okay yeah well, i mean it's given 
all that i mean it is as i said it is quite scary but it's i think what we want to do in this episode is kind of first of all explain what debt is and the types of debt and you know how they differ and then what people can do to help service it manage it uh, and the you know the options and the availability for for the listeners out there so i think the first thing to talk about are are the types of debt that us as borrowers can take out so there are effectively two types two major categories there are subsections within these two categories but Mm. the two categories are secured debt and unsecured debt so firstly secured debt what is secured debt it's basically a loan that is backed by an asset uh, or another word for it is collateral to reduce the risk associated with lending from banks to a borrower what that means is that in the in a scenario for example where um, a borrower is unable to make a repayment or make the full repayment the the lender or the bank can seize that asset and sell it and use that as the proceeds to pay back the debt so with secure debt i guess there's two major examples one which most of us will obviously know of is a mortgage so in the case of a mortgage your home is effectively the asset or collateral so if uh, you know obviously it's not the case that if you miss one payment they take your home back but um the house and the home is there such that if it gets to a stage where you're never going to be able to make the repayments for whatever reason the bank can effectively claim back the house and the other example are car loans again where you will take a loan and the loan is secured against the car so they are secured loans as I said the other type are what are classed as unsecured loans so unsecured loans are effectively the opposite so there is no asset or collateral that is backed um, against that debt what that means is is that if uh, if you as a borrower are unable to make the repayment the lender or the bank might not be able to recover their investment because there's no asset effectively to claw back now there are obviously adverse um, effects of not making a repayment on either an unsecured or secured loan naturally you know your credit rating which we'll come on to in a minute uh, will suffer significantly there could be possibilities of bankruptcy etc etc so although it's you might think oh it's unsecured i don't have to pay anything back there is there are significant consequences of, of not doing so so is it fair to say then that if it's a secured debt and the bank knows that they can take your house or your car or whatever to pay them back then the interest rate may be lower than an unsecured debt, which, you know, the, the bank's running the risk of getting nothing back. So I assume they're going to want to charge a bit more interest. Definitely. So exactly. You know, secure debt is offered with an asset as a guarantee. They'll typically attract a lower rate of interest compared to unsecured. You, you know, listeners will be able to look at this quite simply. Compare, you know, the interest rate you pay on your mortgage with the interest rate you pay on a credit card you'll see a significant difference in those rates. The mortgage will be a far lower level because there is that asset that is backed against it. So hence why you will see uh, higher levels of interest on those riskier types of loans, such as credit cards or personal loans. 
So that's the lure why someone may want to secure debt is going to be because it's going to be cheaper for them. Hopefully. Yes, but uh, of course, but obviously you are effectively putting an asset up for as a risk. So you could lose that if you are unable to make repayment. So the, uh, the other difference as well is, well, the main difference as well is, is how the loans are offered. So unsecured debt, because there's no asset, it's it's offered solely based on the credit worthiness of the borrower i.e you know what you know as i said we'll talk about it again shortly but that you know a credit score that we all have um as well as affordability these things will be factors in the debt being offered to you as a borrower so yeah it can affect not only whether or not the loan is offered but the rate of interest payable so if a bank or a lender sees you as uh, having low credit worthiness they will charge a higher level of interest rate because they deem you as a borrower as a higher risk conversely if you are if they see you as having high credit worthiness then you'll typically be offered a lower interest rate compared to somebody who has got that lower credit worthiness but whether or not Chris these debts are secured or unsecured the affordability of the borrower will always be reviewed so you know it doesn't matter if you if you can say well i'm backing this debt with a i've got the house as a asset which i'm securing the debt against the bank will always look look at and i'm sure you know we've all done it where you are, get asked to fill in an income and expenditure questionnaire they'll want to make sure that as it's i mean obviously circumstances change but as it is at present the loan repayment is affordable to the borrower. Yeah, there's no point giving someone a loan that they can't afford to pay back. No. I mean, at the end of the day, whilst these assets are, uh, sorry, while secured debts are asset backed, in an ideal scenario, the lender doesn't really want to have to seize the assets because there's naturally a process where they have to seize the asset. That's a, you know, a legal issue. Then they have to sell it. Then the, the value that they sell it at might not cover the full uh, amount of outstanding debt. You know, their ideal scenario is obviously for everyone to be able to repay their debt. But having that asset um, security does give them some level of protection. So that, that covers the main, you know, the two main differences or the types of debt you can have secured or unsecured. Now, once we've, you know, once whatever it is, the loan that debt somebody's looking to take out, there are then things that can be varied with the debt that's taken, right? So underneath any borrowing that you take out, there are going to be various terms that you agree on with a lender, such as how much you're going to pay each month, and one of the big things that impacts how much you're going to pay each month is how long you want to borrow over. So, for example, if you borrow over, say, 12 or 18 months, you're going to be paying quite a high monthly repayment compared to three or four years. So when you sit there and look at the affordability calculator, it's quite tempting to say, oh, well, pay it over three or four years because look how much cheaper it is every month. But the thing that you need to look at then is the fact that if you're going to be paying interest every year for a longer period you're going to pay back more interest than if you paid it over a shorter term 
So the figure you want to really look at, which all lenders should quote, is your total repayable over the term. And if you look at it, it's going to be wildly different the longer you go. Yeah, it's easy. Like you said, it's easy to, to just say, I'll just extend or prolong that repayment period. But then when you start looking at those figures and see that interest stack up, it does make it less desirable to have such a long term to repay the debt. Um, there's other flexibilities that you can add into the contract as well, such as if you want to change your repayments in the future. So say, for example, you get a new job, you're earning a little bit more money, so you can afford to put a bit more towards the debt to pay it off quicker. That should reduce the term over which you've got the debt to help you get rid of it quicker. Uh, you can also make ad hoc overpayments. Uh, one thing that you might want to check with ad hoc overpayments is say you do come into a bit of money. Is that going to reduce your monthly payment? You might think that paying a big chunk off a debt is going to reduce your payments going forward. Um, but you may only have the option to reduce the term. So it just means you get rid of the debt quicker. Now, in my opinion, that's probably the ideal outcome, really. You, you, you want the debt gone. But knowing what is going to happen if you put that money in there is quite important. Um, and then I guess around the structure, there's the all important, probably more important than anything. What's it actually going to cost you? The interest rate. And there's quite a lot of confusing terms bandied around in in terms of interest rates i mean banks advertise debt pretty hard um you see it on bus stops aer apr there's various different terminologies that you'll see but i think the important ones to get your head around really are the difference between what the quoted interest rate is and the apr because really uh, yeah sorry apr some jargony acronym is it is is it your turn it's, to press the button it's time oh i've not pressed it for a while chris i feel like it's my turn uh hit it financial jargon of the week go on then chris interest rates so we've talked about obviously you do get different uh interest rate levels based on the type of loan, secured, unsecured, the length can obviously have a slight impact on interest rate. But what now most people look at a, a loan or a loan offering and look at that interest rate. But what is the difference between that and this APR that you speak of? Yeah, so banks like to advertise their interest rate. And quite often at the bottom of that advertisement in the smaller print, you'll see the APR. The APR is the annual percentage rate, which is the actual annual cost of the loan to the borrower. That's including fees. So if you're going to pay other charges or fees like insurance or if the bank's going to charge you a setup fee for starting it or for ending it, all of these are built into the APR, which is then expressed as a percentage. So in general, you would expect the APR to be higher than the interest rate that's quoted. It would have to be some sort of wild special offer for the APR to be lower. Uh, but that's the number that you really want to look at. Yeah, yeah. it's unlikely a bank's going to give you money to take out a loan. So there's not going to be days. many. No, no. So there's not going to be many, if any, scenarios where that annual percentage rate is going to be lower. So it's, it's worth obviously looking at the interest rate as the headline figure, but making sure there isn't too much i mean the main point i think chris is as long as there's not a significant difference between that interest rate and the apr 
then generally speaking it's okay it's when you see a significant difference which i guess as a borrower you'll notice because you'll see all of these upfront costs and, and end you know ending of the loan costs appear on a contract with the borrower or with the lender yes. sorry okay chris so i think that's a pretty good overview of types of debt how they're structured interest rates repayments etc i guess the question is is debt a bad thing to have wow that's the hot question isn't it and i think the the rule of thumb that a lot of people tend to stick with and i don't necessarily disagree is that you try to only take out debt on something that's going to go up in value or increase your potential to to earn from it rather than something that goes down in value if okay so that means that that means you're never going to borrow money for a car ah wait i'll give you a <laughs> it depends depends all right stick with me hang on okay so right look look at it this way i'll give you an example good debt bad debt so you've got to travel to work each day and you go there by bus you get yourself a better job that's paying more money but the public transport is shocking and you can't get there so you go looking for a car now you haven't got the money to pay for the car so you're going to need to borrow some money for this so this is potentially a good debt because your new job's going to pay you more money you should recoup more than the cost of the car including what you borrowed in the extra money that you've earned over time uh, therefore this debt has helped you to increase your wealth over the longer term agree disagree i, I do agree but now i feel bad if ever i get a new car and i don't get a new job with more money because <laughs> inevitably us as consumers will want you know and listeners will want to be able to improve their car so i don't want it to you making it sound like i have to get more money to have a nicer car well you don't have to but you've got to be very aware that if you're getting a nicer car just because you want a nicer car you've got to be able to afford it and it is effectively a luxury that you're you know you're treating yourself to it because you can't afford it now so you're making a commitment to take out some lending for it but there's no there's no benefit to you other than you feel nice about it okay that's fair therefore you've got to look at the affordability and if you can't afford to do it you've got to be asking yourself a question what you're playing at okay and i guess that's where your bad debt of your good debt bad debt out of you know scenarios comes into play right if you are what a marvelous segue thank you very much you're welcome so let's look at the opposite example so you you're sick of your car and i mean let's use an extreme example here so you're driving around in an old banger now it's worth 500 quid you see a car you know you're not too flashy you just want to something a bit better so you see one that's five grand now there's nothing wrong with your 500 car you just feel like a bit of a chump driving around in it so you can get 500 quid trade in for your car you can afford let's say you can afford 86 quid a month at a 5.8% APR you know what that is on a loan and that's going to take five years to repay so you're going to pay including the car 5,700 quid 
over five years for this five grand car. So for one thing, the cost of you buying this nice car, just to make you feel happy, is not five grand, it's 5,700. And the big point about it is you've now committed yourself to that 86 quid a month for the next five years, come what may. So if circumstances change, then you've still got to pay the 86 quid. If the car blows up and you've got no car after two years, you've still got to pay the 86 quid and you're probably then going to want another car. Hence, in the ideal world, you'd save up to buy the thing that you want before you get there and pay for it. But obviously, not a lot of us are in the ideal world and most people who buy a car are going to buy it on finance. But I guess it's the reason... The reason that you choose the car that you choose, is it necessity, is it to advance yourself, or is it just because you want to treat yourself? And balancing up how affordable that is, is going to be crucial to whether it's a good debt or a bad debt. That's fair enough. I think, that, again, that that works quite well, feeds quite well into the episode, or the last episode where we talk about budgeting. So the... You know, the, the, it, it, yeah, something like a, a newer car is definitely going to be a, a more of a discretionary spend if you don't need to upgrade it. So it's working out whether after everything else, when we talked about, you know, repeating your your catchy little uh, jingo to save first, pay next and spend last. Yeah. That, yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> uh, still got the T-shirt. Um, if whether those first two are easily fulfilled, i.e. the saving and the paying, then if that spend last bit, of the budget is flexible then you can look at it and say well okay i can get this new car and i'm not affecting those first two bits so i guess that would technically make it less of a bad debt in your eyes you, you would still see it as a bad debt because you're going to be uh, you know a real taskmaster and not let anyone have an, a newer car but never mind um but that's fair enough i guess it's 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 a fair point you make. Uh, now, the, I guess the other big debt that most of us will have in our, or the biggest debt we'll have in our lives is um, is going to be a mortgage, which I guess feeds back into your. I mean, now you, no one, hardly anyone, is going to be able to pay off their home in one go. So they're always going to have to have debt to buy their property. Now you're not buying a property because you said it's a good debt if you're buying it and it's going to increase in value. Now, you don't buy a house because you think it's going to increase in value. You buy the property because you need it to live. So that, in effect, is a good debt, right? You're not going to argue with that, are you? I'm not going to argue with that. You're doing that to advance the quality of your life, but also you're advancing yourself financially because paying off the debt rather than paying rent to a landlord is effectively building up your, your capital over time. So I'm happy. Sure. Mortgage is fine. Sure. And I guess the same thing applies. If you in, if you increase the size of your house, which does increase, will more than likely increase the mortgage cost, at the end of the day, you're paying more mortgage, but then you'll have an asset that's worth more than if you hadn't moved because the house you've moved into is worth more than the last house. So you're exactly. still happy. You're still happy if I move house as well. Well, we're talking about main residences here in this example. Yeah. Obviously, investing in property is a different kettle of fish. Of course. But if you're buying to live in it and it happens to go up in price, lovely. If it goes down in price when you want to move, odds are everything else in the market's probably gone down at the same time. So it's all relative. So yeah, it's a, yeah, yeah, happy. That makes sense. Okay, okay. So 
That all makes sense. Now, one of the things that I mentioned earlier, Chris, was about credit worthiness of borrowers. And, and I mentioned something called credit score. I think it'd be good to uh, go into more detail about what credit scores are and how they're calculated, I guess, and, and what effect they have. You mean the advert with the talking dog that I keep seeing on the TV every 10 seconds hasn't explained that to you? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm easily <laughs> pleased. A talking dog is definitely going to get me interested, but perhaps a 30-second inter- uh, advert isn't going to quite <laughs> cut the mustard, so it'd be good to give a bit more explanation. So, well, you, you touched on it before. When, a, when, a, when someone's going to borrow or when someone is going to lend money to a borrower say a bank they want to know how likely it is they're going to get their money back and if you ask the person who's borrowing obviously they're going to say yeah of course i'm going to repay you so there needs to be some other way of uh, assessing how good someone is with their money and it's a bit of a crude system really but your credit score is there's a few companies who keep track of everything that you've done with money So if any sort of loans that you've had in the past, they're monitoring how often you're making payments. If they're missing payments, if you're missing payments, sorry, they're making a note of that. That's all going towards your score. How many, how much, you know, credit you've got, how much you use, do you pay it back? Are you struggling? Are you always in debt? There's anything you do with your money, they are keeping track of. And they take all that data including silly things like are you on the electoral register or, you know, do you move house quite a lot? Just to try and have a crude way of saying, are you are you a stable person financially, basically? Yeah. And they top that up to give you a score. I think a lot of them do it out of out of a thousand. Um, you know, if you're at 999, then lovely. The banks are probably going to give you the really nice low interest rates, uh, provided you can afford it, of course. If you're an absolute financial disaster, you're probably going to be somewhere lower than 500. And the chances of getting loans at all, because once you get to a certain point, the banks aren't going to say we're going to charge you high interest. They're just going to say we're not even going to take a punt. And then you find yourself really struggling. So they're important to to look after because they have a massive impact on big junctures at your life. Really, it's mm-hmm. easy to plod along and say, oh, it doesn't really matter too much because I don't need to borrow anything for a little while. But a lot of, if you get things wrong, that can stay on your credit score for years. And when you do get around to wanting to make a big decision, like taking out a mortgage, they're going to look at that. And something as inconsequential as being a bit blasé about credit cards and missing a few payments four or five years ago could scupper a potential application or or scupper you getting a really good interest rate in the future. So they're really important, whether they're good or a bad thing, is obviously a different kettle of fish. Yeah, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? Because I guess lenders do need some way of being able to judge the person they're lending money to. Um, so unless, you know, we're not going to do a full psychometric test and understand exactly how you are as a person. They just need some way of looking at certain statistics and then trying to work out the likelihood that either the person's going to be able to commit and be able to make those repayments or whether they see there's a possibility that there could be a struggle. I guess one of the things, though, that listeners should be aware of, and we would definitely recommend 
uh, taken advantage of is nowadays there are companies that give the borrower, the, you know, the individual themselves, an overview of their credit score. So they can also see effectively what the bank sees as well when they're deciding on whether or not they're going to lend them money and if they are, how well, you know, whether it's going to be a high interest rate or low interest rate. The good thing with these, as you, as you know, we've you know I use them and, and, and you do it as well, and, and we'll put some links to a couple of sites in, in the show notes, is that there are uh, recommendations and ideas that they offer and to show you how you can improve that credit score. So there'll be certain areas, like you mentioned, Chris, the electoral role, how many credit cards you've got, you've got active, how much credit as a percentage you're using, and they'll typically score them and say, oh, you're doing well with this part, but you know, perhaps the amount of credit you're using in terms of the total available is a bit high, so perhaps reduce that, and that should in turn increase your credit score. You know, you want to check your credit score before you make any loans. Ideally, if you need to brush up on things, improve things, you want to do that before you make an application. Because if you don't and you've got a declined application, that's probably going to make your second try a bit harder. But one thing I would say is don't be completely ruled by your credit score. You know, one of the, as an example, one of the factors that makes up your score, the lenders like you to have a big, big credit balance available. Now, if you're already struggling with money and if you're honest with yourself that you've not been great at managing your finances, having access to an absolute ton of of credit on a credit card is probably not a great idea for you until you're, you know, confident that you're ready for that sort of um, responsibility. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a, a good point because they lenders and, and uh and effectively the credit score system it does it does expect and want you to have that high amount of available credit and that's what scores you better but like you said it isn't it's easy if you're not as restrained and um, disciplined then that you know while you're trying to perhaps build your credit score but you end up shooting yourself in the foot because you've become lax with your way of you know spending and you are making you know too much use of that credit and then that actually makes your credit score worse because you're now using too much as a percentage of available and that is a downward spiral having to repay it it's difficult you have to have that level of discipline let me ask you a question scott because i get this one thrown at me every now and again by by uh, clients and i'll be interested your thoughts but off of loving numbers thanks (laughs) say you've already got some debt and you're paying it off then you come into a little bit more money whether that's a lump of money or whether that's a bit extra money every month we often get asked is it better to pay off your debt or is it better to invest that money or save that money what are your thoughts on that yeah yeah cheers for giving me the the easy questions chris um, the investment guru you've got comma cfa that's I have, top accolade I have. all right all right well let me let me give it a crack and see what silver maker i mean my it is definitely a tricky one we've talked we talked about it again in in previous episode about having a level of savings and having what we called an emergency fund so it's always good to have that level of savings if you can you know hopefully you can afford it but there's definitely a couple of things to bear in mind when deciding whether to with this lump of money that you're talking about whether to you know increase your savings pile or, or to pay off more of that debt I mean, the first thing is that, you know, in almost 
every circumstance the interest rate that you know we will pay on debt will be higher than the interest that we'll receive on uh, savings you know cash savings and savings in the bank yes because the bank's not making any money if it's giving you more on savings and it's making in debt yeah absolutely yeah we talked about it in, again previous episode banks need to make profit they're going to charge borrowers more than what they pay away to save us it's simple maths really um you are there, i mean there have been scenarios where certain banks have offered crazy loans but uh, crazy levels of interest or savings sorry then compared to what you might get from a, a normal loan but general rule of thumb is your interest rate on your borrowing is going to be higher than your interest rate on cash savings mm-hmm. now you could reason so that's cash savings now you could reason that the interest on a loan might be lower than the returns that you could generate or earn by investing that lump of money into stocks and shares so if your interest rate i don't know if you can get a loan that's paying interest of say two three percent then you might argue well i could potentially earn more than that per year if i invest it now whilst that is possibility there is clearly a distinct difference in that as we are as we know and as are all the risk warnings in everything that we do in financial services past performance is no guide to future investment returns are not guaranteed so whilst you might think oh, i can there's a possibility it's not a guarantee but the interest rate and the level of interest that we will pay on the debt that we have is most definitely guaranteed the bank or or the lender is not is not going to change the amount of interest they charge you. I mean, there are, sorry, there are a couple of circumstances. If it's a, a mortgage, which we talked about, and it's a variable uh, mortgage, so it, it increases or decreases in line with what the changes are in interest rates. Getting a bit complicated there, but typically speaking, it, even if it decreases a little bit, it's still a guaranteed level of interest that's that's being paid. Whereas, you know, as you know, investing you don't you know it depends what time period you look at you could potentially lose money over a shorter term uh, or the value could fall so it's it's worth bearing in mind that difference between that guaranteed debt repay a debt interest and, and that uh, un, uh, unsecured or flex, uh, you know variable return on investment so I guess my conclusion is Chris is is that it's definitely worth making sure you've got that level of savings but on the basis that overpaying debt doesn't cause charges and you'll need to look at what the debt structure is whether or not overpaying causes that my preference is to try and clear off as much debt as possible i don't know how you feel i would completely agree i'm going to throw one little devil's advocate curveball in here go on then which i i absolutely concur that I would pay off, if you've got debts, I would be paying them off before you're saving. However, I personally, for me, not saying this works for everyone, it's definitely not the best monetary outcome, but when I struggled with paying down debts, one thing psychologically for me was that uh, the money was just, you weren't really seeing it. It was disappearing. And I found that as it was just disappearing, I, I wasn't really sticking to the repayment plan. Conversely, having it in a little savings account that was separated and putting money in and watching the value go up was giving me a rush. 
and in the end I ended up more incentivized to save money into a savings pot to pay off the debt than I than I was paying off the debt which is mad because I was spending a lot more money doing that it was absolutely not the most financially right way to do it but I was completely failing doing it the right way whereas it just worked for me doing it that way okay ended up saving up paying off big chunk of the debt and it just I don't I think if I didn't do that I wouldn't have I wouldn't have saved that much and paid that much off and it's Fair stupid enough. but then the human mind isn't always <laughs> the most logical thing no, it is. I mean, a lot of this is about behavioural, and you know, we've talked about behaviour again. Talked about behavioural biases. It is hard because there's a logical thing. I mean, when the, what you what you're talking about there is, on a simplistic view, is quite illogical. Because if you're not paying off that debt, the amount of interest that's on that debt is racking up more than if you were just paying it off monthly. However, as you said, that's worked for you. Um, as long as it's as long as you're achieving the goal of paying off that debt whatever way you want to come about it if it's going to be slightly more expensive down your route chris but it gets you to that end goal then so be it that was totally illogical that was pre <laughs> pre financial planner mindset but it worked i wouldn't do it now but it, but it worked then and i guess psychology is going to have quite a big impact on how you go about doing this mm-hmm. there's there's absolutely no escaping that debt is is a massive issue yeah and it's not just psychology it's mental health the national deadline charity and I'll, I'll put a link because they're a fantastic charity I'll, we'll put a link in the show notes um, to their website but they they claim that as many as 50 percent of all adults who've got some kind of debt issue have also got some kind of mental health issue because it it just plays on your mind you're constantly worrying you know you're getting letters to the post saying payments have gone up or you're not keeping up with payments and it's a vicious cycle you you know the, the most important thing with these when you've got debts like this is and it's getting you down is just not to bury your head in the sand you've got to face up to it and you've got to make a plan mm-hmm. you know confidence and control for me are two key words confidence that your your debts are manageable not that they're spiraling and control in terms of you've got a plan as to how you're going to repay those debts so many people but you you know oh that's a nice thing i want that thing i'll stick it on the credit card but you don't plan how it's going to be repaid you need to know if you're going to put something on finance how how long it's going to take how you're going to do it and where that money's going to come from and then I guess with, with regards to repaying, Chris, now naturally, I mean, I know I have as well. I've got several, I've got debts in different ways, guys, is I've got credit card debt, obviously a mortgage, uh, I've got a personal loan. The the thing that's, I mean, it seems logical to say, but when with regards to repaying and setting up a plan, I think the first thing you always look at is making sure that the loan with the highest interest rate is the one that typically should be most focused on clearing off earlier rather than later because naturally that's going to have the higher level of uh, interest there can be nuances to that because it could be a high level interest but a very low total amount of debt but generally speaking uh, all things being equal the debt and the loan with the higher interest rate is the one that you want to clear off because that should more quickly reduce your overall spending and cost of uh, servicing those uh those lows now there are there are other things that 
that people can take advantage of. 0% interest credit cards that you can typically um, take out and move debt from that's from a credit card say with a high level of interest rate into that zero percent for a period of time that's one way of reducing the overall interest rate that you're paying on your debt bear in mind there will typically be a charge to move that money from one credit card to the other but that's quite a good um, tool that can be used to bring those costs and that interest payment and servicing of interest down another way of doing it is possibly looking oh well that's you know credit cards are one route but obviously you need to you need to a be in control of your repayments and b be able to get enough credit on a credit card you also see people take out consolidation loans not necessarily advocating using debt to get rid of debt but there are circumstances where say you've got four or five debts uh, relatively high interest rates you've been paying them off for a while so your credit rating's been improving and you could now apply for one loan to bring them all together into one nice simple payment, which, you know, simplicity is key. If you've got one payment, you know it's coming out, you can get rid of it. Hopefully you can reduce the interest rate and that should help you get on top of things rather than having to worry about four or five, six different payments to various places. But again, if you're going to pay more interest on consolidating than you are on the existing loans, then you've got to ask yourself if it's really worth it. So, you know, you've made a plan, you know what you want to do. The important thing is to stick to it. So to summarize that, you want to hit your highest interest rates first. You want to just check for any penalties before you start paying them off. You want to keep your payments up. We talked about credit scores. Once you've made a plan, you need to stick to it. And the other important thing that a lot of people forget is to review it regularly. Just check back in and make sure you're on track. Now, all of this assumes that you've got enough money to service your debts. You've got the spare cash to be able to pay off things and, and make those decisions. If you're in a situation where you're using debt just to pay for your essentials, you know, if the electricity or the, the, the rent is being funded by debt because you've not got enough coming in to cover everything, then it's a different kettle of fish you you are in well, your borderline there you're in what is often referred to as debt crisis mode you can't that won't last for long you're going to hit a brick wall so you want to address that as early as possible now trying to do that on your own is possible but there are some really good charities out there um, an example would be the citizens advice bureau they're a government body and we'll put a link in the show notes they're fantastic they can offer free advice to people on how to get out of those problems also step change they're a debt charity uh, they're also fantastic they can really help you put that plan together to get you out of the situation that you're in one thing that will not get you out of the situation is burying your head in the sand it just it doesn't you have to address it as scary as that might be but i think that's the most important things covered mm. Did you want yeah. to add anything? Are you happy? I'm, I'm happy, Chris. I think that's been a, a pretty good explanation that, you know, I said we wanted to cover, you know, what debt is, how, how debt structured and, you know, the plans that borrowers, uh, you know, and in, you know, us as individuals can put in place to, to help. So I think you've uh, done a good job there. Well done. Beautiful. Well done, you too. 
proud of us now if it, there's a lot of nuances if we've you know we've just skimmed through an overview there on the what we think are the most important points around debt but if you've got any questions if you want to send us an email and ask us anything then we'll we'll cover that in the next show uh the email just as a reminder is what is it brilliant once again you're so on brand aren't you chris the email address sorry listeners is show at cashgoalspodcast.com that's show at cashgoalspodcast.com it's really hard to remember yeah absolutely and don't forget chris what do we ask listeners to do if they like what they're hearing obviously please recommend this podcast to friends and family and don't forget to leave a review both you know five obviously five stars would be nice and some nice words as well would be great that's all helps and that's pretty much it i think hopefully chris the next episode will be uh be less of a gap between this and the next one if you're not busy gallivanting off again yeah we need to we need to knuckle down we can't let people down that's we're it. back we're back there. we are back all right thanks all listeners and we'll uh speak to you again in a couple of weeks <laughs>